All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can you see Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Favor, you take it. <laughs> Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Quads is six inches deep. 
in a panini <laughs> right now as we are looking outside. Uh, the beautiful Vancouver on this glorious Wednesday morning, afternoon, a little bit of an earlier show. We are back here for some off-season content. Trade season is coming, and it's coming quick. We saw it kick off yesterday with a big three-way trade. But first, Quads, how is that sandwich that you pushed into the 12.30 hour? I told you it needed to be down by 12.30, and you're still chewing. It's 12.31. Well, I don't have much left, but oh, basically... Put that thing down, then. What are you doing with that? Well, put that well, down. I'm not, I'm not going to eat it. I'm showing it to our wonderful listeners on the YouTube live show. Uh, pastrami, hot capicolo, you cannot go wrong. The panini bread from Safeway. Usually what I'll do, you know, I got my George Foreman. Usually I'll press it. I'll press it in the George Foreman grill. It makes it real nice. So like a proper panini. It's, it's very, very nice. I've thought about buying a panini press, but I don't need another thing in... My kitchen, but we should mention right off the top. Sorry, I uh, had a mouthful there. Uh, Zephyr Epic is our sponsor that we need to talk about right off the top. They are a presenting sponsor. You can use the promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That'll get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. Free shipping, Canada-wide on any order over $50. So be sure to go check them out because they've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. Be sure to check them out. any of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, maybe Blue Sky soon. This is something we're going to be talking about soon, I'm sure, Chris. Um, Zephyr Epic is a place to go. You pulled something. You opened a pack there. What did, what did you find? Uh, just a, a rookie portrait of Hayden Hodgson of the uh, hmm. Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers who we'll be touching on in just a minute. But another, but a, just a good pack in general. Mo Sider, Arthur Callia, Noah Dobson. That's about it. But a pretty good pack through and through, I'd have to say. Nothing, nothing like a huge hit, but I mean, you, I, I swear, I Mo Sider is going to be a really interesting defenseman to follow here over the next little bit. I just love the way that he plays. He's one of my favorites to watch. I love Mo Sider. I think he's got a good shot from the point. Physical. He's only getting more physical. He, he's going to be scary. He's going to be a scary defenseman. Maybe never. I don't know if Mo Sider is ever going to be in the Norris conversation, but I tell you what, I think he's going to be in the conversation of like he is one hell of a tough defenseman to play against. What did you think of him in his draft year? Because he was the guy that, you know, we talk about this draft class, we talk about other draft classes. He was a guy that was looked at as a reach where he was selected, right? Like, he, he was looked at as a reach by Stevie Y. Looks pretty good right now. Where did you rank him, and what did you think of him in his draft year? Yeah, I didn't have him uh, I didn't have him going that high. What did you go, third overall? Is that what he ended up going uh no, draft. I think he went sixth. Was it sixth? Okay, it was still it was very high for what I thought. I thought he was going to be a guy late in the first round. I, I remember I didn't even really want the Canucks getting him uh, at tenth overall. Hmm. I thought uh, there were some other names that I thought were more interesting at that point because if you remember, this draft was in Vancouver. Yeah, sixth overall. So still, it was pretty shocking. Why does it feel like he was even? You know, it was a big deal for him to go sixth. I feel like I mm-hmm. thought he was like third. Maybe just for the the moment was too much at the time, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I didn't have him in. A, I didn't have him going that high. Right now, you redraft, probably putting him pretty damn high in that draft, though. That's for sure. No kidding. And you look, Cole Caulfield. I don't know if we touched on this too much on the last show. Cole Caulfield signing an eight-year deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Look, that's a guy that was selected after Vasily Podkolz. And then this is a conversation you and I have had before, Chris. And I don't want to rehash it too much, but the people that are out there saying, "Oh, well, the Canucks probably should have drafted Caulfield." Look, he got the eight years. Different player types, like like different player types. And when you have a player like Pod Colson, you do need to be a little more patient. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that he's going to develop and that in five years we aren't saying, yeah, the Canucks should have drafted Caulfield. I'm not saying that won't be the case. I'm just saying that right now, at the ages that they're at, 
it, it's too soon to call the sleep pod Coles in a bust or to suggest that, yeah, you know what? The Canucks should have drafted Cole Caulfield ahead of him. I, I think it's too soon. I think he's a player that is going to have a different development path than a lot of players have just because of the type of player he is. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, like I, I, I don't like this conversation that uh, Canucks should have drafted Cole Caulfield. I don't buy it. Hmm. Corey Anderson says, that's who I wanted the Canucks to pick. I assume Corey's saying Mo Sider. Yeah. 10. That, I mean, yeah, that would look pretty good at 10, but I'm with you. I think with prospects that are just like three, four years out of their draft year, I think you're still at the point where you're going to get hot and colds from these players, right? Like when Pod Colson was ripping it up in the second half of his rookie season and Cole Caulfield was doing what? Playing college hockey at the time? Or no, I think he was just making in his way into the, uh, in the playoffs, but he was having a down year that year. So like, I don't know. I, I think you're at this age, you're still getting such up and down prospects in, the, in that kind of range where guys don't go one, two, three in the draft. So I, I think Pod Colson will probably get his over the next couple of years here. And there'll be times where people are making the argument of like, oh, he's, you know, he's better than Caulfield. And at least it makes for fun discussion. Matt Boldy's also put himself into that conversation of that kind of picked outside of the top 10 uh, and might be one of the best guys in that draft. So, uh, yeah, some, some interesting names for sure. Friend of the show, Matt and- Boldy as well, former guest of the show. So is Cole Caulfield. There mm-hmm. you go. Let's not forget also, Chris, that Caulfield had a real down season and had a lot of trouble until Martin St. Louis came in as the head coach in Montreal. He really found his game under Martin St. Louis. But before that, it was pretty bleak. Like it wasn't looking great, but hey, like they're they're locking up their stars early. I, I like that strategy. I think everybody's kind of seeing that now. You see what the Buffalo Sabres did with mm-hmm. Tage Thompson, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. You're seeing more and more teams go that route. You almost wonder if the Canucks are going to have a player that they can do that with anytime soon. Like, Pedersen's on his next contract, so it doesn't really count the same way as what I just referred to. Like, is there going to be a player in the next little bit coming off his ELC that the Canucks sign long-term, like for an eight-year deal? I I don't know if we're going to see that. No, I mean, the only one, and nothing nothing close to eight years, but I mean, you could maybe say that Niels Huglander could be a guy who gets like a four-year deal, but we're not talking eight years like you're mentioning. I don't think there's anybody even close to that. So um, potentially, I guess the guy that they draft in this upcoming draft here might be the next one because I don't think LeCarrie Mackey's going to be earning an eight-year uh, extension off of his ELC whenever that finishes anyways. We don't know when he's even coming to North America. So I uh, don't really have those, uh, man, the, the primetime prospects like the Canucks had for a little bit when they had at least one in the system, right? It felt like... Quinn Hughes, before he got to the NHL, was the big deal. And Elias Pettersson, obviously, what he did in his draft plus year. And then even following, like, Huglander and Pod Coles in that one year after they were drafted. Like, that was a fun season as well. It feels like the prospect quality has certainly dropped. But I think, though the quality has dropped, I, I do have to give the Canucks management credit that the, the quantity has risen. And I think a lot of that is to do with what they're doing out in Abbotsford, of course. Uh, and even being able to pick up, listen, you, you had a prospect like Josh Bloom at the trade deadline in exchange for Riley Stillman. I know that's not going to push the needle on your whole prospect pool, but at least if you can kind of package that together with some other moves and then keep adding and adding and adding, then you're talking about a prospect pool that has some depth. And I think that that's something that we've actually seen the Canucks do ever since this new management regime has come in is, yeah, they haven't been able to add another Elias Pettersson quality prospect. Like, yeah, they added Atu Ratu. I don't know what he's going to end up being in the NHL or how to really project him right now with the season that he just had in the AHL. I, I think that they've added at least more type of players that you want to take a swing on. So at least that's a good thing you can look at with the prospect pool. Uh, and speaking of the prospect pool, we'll see a lot of them. This was announced, uh, I believe, yesterday. Yesterday, the Young Stars tournament uh, down in Penticton, the Young Stars Classic. It's going to be the 10th edition 
of the Young Stars Classic out there in Penticton. The Vancouver Canucks, the Edmonton Oilers, the Calgary Flames, and the Winnipeg Jets will send some of their best young players to Penticton to participate in the battle of those prospects. I'm excited for it. It's one that I'm going to be out there. Uh, let's get into the schedule just a little bit here. With uh, So the Canucks are going to end up playing. Let's see. we got two games on Friday. The Canucks will be in that one. Uh, Saturday is a day off for the Canucks, and then they're back on Sunday and Monday for this tournament. So that's uh, that got released. Now the tickets are all out. What do you think of the pricing? All, all tournament long for an adult, 115 bucks. You get six games. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good deal. It's a good bang for your buck. And yeah. you alluded to, you wrote it in the Canucks Army article. You wrote about the Young Stars. Not going to see Elias Pettersson. Not going to see Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Probably not because they're going to be starting their SHL seasons at that point together, we should mention as well, in order, bro. Yeah, you got that right. Kukos Gambo won't be there as well. Lucas Forsell. All these players we should see at development camp, though. And that's only... Geez, less than a month away now until development camp as well, so that'll be exciting as well. But the players you will see, geez, Daniil Klimovic, it's probably his time, right, to to really take over this tournament. Him and Atu Ratu, I expect them to be playing on a line, probably the top line at the Young Stars tournament. Uh, maybe you throw Arshdeep Baines on there, make a nice little trio. But real good coming out opportunity for Daniil Klimovic here at, uh, at Young Stars, right? He's now going to be... 21 years old, he's not 18 anymore, he's coming into the season, he's ready to rock, uh, and I think this is a good one for him to showcase. He's done this tournament now, uh, he did it last year, and he was pretty good. I think there was times, like, I think it took a little bit for him to kind of warm up into that Young Stars tournament last year, but there was times he looked dominant. So, uh, you watch him, Cole McWard, you know, young player, you'll see him probably. I wonder if Seelovs might be kind of aged out at this point, uh, but maybe Jet Wu, Archie Baines, and then whichever guys they end up drafting out of the CHL, you'll see all them at the Young Stars as well. So, a lot of... Uh, Exciting stuff, but unfortunately for the Canucks, yeah, the, with the, the timing of young stars, anybody playing hockey professionally in Europe isn't going to be available. Anybody playing hockey in the NCAA, they won't be available. So this is kind of like a showcase of your AHL talent and then your CHL talent, your prospect pool. It's not like you're really getting uh, a full scope of your whole prospect system. That you'll see at development camp. Like at Canucks development camp, that's the opportunity uh, that you'll get a chance to see a lot of these guys. I wanted to to ask you a little bit about uh, a play from the other day. Uh, the Matthew Kachuk hit on Jack Eichel. I could not believe that he came back into the game after that. I, I was blown away that Jack Eichel came back, especially just, I just, as soon as I saw the hit, and for those of you who haven't missed it, just Google it. And if you've missed it and you're watching a Canucks, pod, or if you're watching a hockey podcast, I'm a little confused. The, the hit was in, was massive. It was a huge open ice hit in the center ice. It Jack Heichel kind of slipped up a little bit almost to look to get the end or sort of tried to evade but did a completely opposite way of doing it. Um, the hit was just huge, and Matthew Kachuk kind of comes off the bench and catches Eichel with his head down as he's skating through the center of the ice and just destroyed him. I, I thought this was the end for sure of Jack Eichel's playoff run. And to see him come back in the third period, I was, I was shocked. But I, I have to say... Looked like a clean hit, man. I, it looked like a clean hit. Like, you can even tell Matthew Kachuk didn't... He could have dropped the shoulder and lit Jack Eichel wide open. Like, could have got him in the head. He really didn't. It was a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. I just... Uh, I, I I was shocked to see Eichel come back, especially with his injury history. I just... I was, I was worried when that play happened, to be 100% honest. First reaction was, holy cow, is that surgically repaired neck okay? Yeah. Right? Like, that surgery... That he got, the big hiccup with the Buffalo Sabres and Jack Eichel was the surgery he got 
I, I don't know about the long-term ramifications. Like, I, I believe, I don't know this for sure, I believe the long-term ramifications were lesser with the surgery Eichel got and wanted to get than the one that the Sabres got for him, or wanted to get for him, excuse me. The one that Eichel got, I know that that one leaves you more susceptible to re-injury than the one that the Sabres wanted him to get. Like, I know that was a big topic of conversation when this was going on. So that was my first concern was, okay, how's the neck? Is the neck holding up? Like, like what's what's going on uh, with the neck? Is he okay? The fact he came back, it was great. I, I, was, I wasn't surprised to see him come back. I was more so thinking, okay, if he doesn't come back, something's wrong with his neck. Because he didn't really hit his head on that play, right? Like, no. he, he did get blown up. But like you said, shoulder to shoulder. He called it a clean hit. Uh, it's perfectly legal. I, he tripped like he, he toe picked a little bit and was in a really vulnerable spot. And like you said, Kachuk could have blown him up a lot more than he actually did. I don't have a problem with the hit at all. No, I don't think so either, but I, I agree with you. I just think the nature of how he was hit, where all of the force was given, it looked like to me, I immediately was just like, that's a neck spine like that. Sh-. So, I yep. mean, tell you what, whoever did the surgery uh, for Jack Eichel is probably sitting real pretty right now, getting a lot more people signing up after seeing Eichel take a hit like that. That surgeon is probably, uh, feeling pretty damn good about his work right now. So good for him. He must be proud about his work. The Jack Eichel uh, surgery and the recovery has been really good. Speaking of recovery as well, I'm, I'm going to be in recovery mode tomorrow. I'm in recovery mode right now, i got to say. I'm getting a root canal tomorrow. I got a cavity filling yesterday. I've been I've been going hard at the dentist over the last two weeks here, and it's not been great. I got this. Now i got a bite. If I close my teeth, the whole left side, it touches first. They're calling it like a high bite or something. i got to get my teeth uh, scraped down again or or something's got to change because I can only chew half the most. I I can't even close my my teeth on the other side. So I'm hoping this root canal fixes everything tomorrow because I'm – I I don't know why I I can't eat anything. I've been eating mashed potatoes and egg salad for the last, geez, 48 hours. I'm losing it over here a little bit. I need something with some some crunch behind it because it makes me feel – like, I'm eating all this soft food, but once you eat so much soft food, it gets me to the point where I really don't want to be, and that's just, it feels like I'm eating soup. I'm not getting anything of substance. You know how much I hate soup quads, and that's what I feel like I'm eating right now with just this this, this damn mashed potatoes and everything that I'm eating. Now, I, I got to get this root canal done. So tomorrow, I appreciate everybody coming in and uh, jumping onto the show uh, today because uh, unable to, I would not be, I don't think it would be very good with my root canal being at 11 in the morning tomorrow. Uh, they said it's an hour and a half. I could have made twelve thirty, but uh, it would have been a tight one. But uh, you know, I wouldn't have had a baguette in my mouth like you did today. <laughs> you, uh, you are a good lesson for people to go to the dentist more often than once every seven years. Yeah, it was a long time. It was too expensive. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford hey, it. So you know what? Listen, that's where I was. At. I was. <laughs> I was just gonna say this. Excuse me for coughing. I I was just gonna say this. I'm in the same boat as you because yeah, I go to the dentist. And I would go regularly as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. But now as an adult, I'm like, never had a cavity in my life. Every time I go, they just say, yeah, you're doing a good job. Keep cleaning your teeth. Okay, I'm going to keep cleaning my teeth. So maybe, you know, you, they tell you to go every six months. I'm getting a message from these people every week, it feels. yeah. I just said, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm not coming back for a while. I don't do the, you know, the six-month cleaning. And I'm sure there's a dentist or a, a dental assistant listening mm-hmm. to this just freaking out right now because you are supposed to and i'm not giving anybody this is not medical advice folks uh this is just me i just look the cost of it i don't know like i I, i'm okay i think if i go every two years i think that's fine two three years 
come on, you're fine. Well, it's the coverage, man. It's just, it's too expensive to go every six months. I can't deal with exactly. the coverage. I, it's sorry, it's uh, it's just the way it is. I you know I'm stuck with it here, but uh, now I'm paying for it big time. I got all of them all stacked up here. We'll see what happens. Maybe Let's I get should into go it. to the dentist. You should just get okay. you know, get it checked out. I tell you, the cleaning wasn't that bad. That that only rang me like 100, 170 bucks, two hundred bucks maybe. Didn't I didn't love it, but I was like, okay, at least they check everything, right? That's where I'm at. Right. Okay, I got something here. Trade uh, talk. Not yet. Generational talent was nominated for the Double IHF Male Player of the Year. That's right, folks. Archer Silovs has been nominated uh, for the Double IHF Male Player of the Year Award. Uh, first time. First time they've handed this award out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Connor Bedard is also up for the award. So like I said, generational talent Archer Silovs and Connor Bedard are also uh, up for the award. Adam Fantilli as well, as is, mm. just talking about him, Moritz Sider, all um, all up for this award. So we'll see who wins it. It's probably going to be Bedard, but we'll see. We'll see who wins it. It's probably going to be Bedard, but I we'll mean, see. I just want to get that in there. Seelovs is up. Seelovs is up for the award. He's probably a runner-up if you think about it. I mean, listen, Seelovs had a good uh, good IHF, but what, uh, what Bedard did at the World Junior is a little ridiculous. Remember we had to not we had to try to not talk about Bedard when we were watching uh you know the world juniors like that was tough that was tough but uh Artie party good to have him in the mix for sure i think that's a good little piece of uh, note and a nice little acknowledgement i like that and uh see loves he likes that so that's good stuff there too um all right you ready to dive into it or do you have any more little uh little tidbits you want to get into uh, Iron Sheik wanted to get that. Iron Sheik passed away today. Wanted to give a real quick shout out to him. Mm. Involved on Canucks Twitter uh, with Roberto Luongo and Jose right. Canseco uh, way back when. Mm-hmm. So uh, rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. You know he he was he was great. He was he was one of the best heels in history and wrestling history. Like I said, a member of Canucks Twitter, even if just for a quick moment there. Uh, he was a member of Canucks Twitter. So shout out to. The Iron Sheik. Okay, should, should we get this done? Should we get the business done before we go to trade talk? Because we got something yeah, to I'll talk set about. You up. Let me get a couple comments in. You pull up your read. I know you got your UFC coming up here in a second. Uh, get that. In That's a right. Let's get to some of the ones. Corey says, Quads, I just noticed you got a new mic. Haven't been live with you guys for a while. Well done, sir. Yeah, the new mic. It looks good over there. Uh, we got some talk about Simashev back and forth in there. Corey says every six months. Uh, Lisa says Nation Network should give you good dental coverage. Oh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and then Karan says I heard many people got poor dental coverage. Yeah, poor, poor to none. Uh, so yeah, time to re- renegotiate. Hey, we've got a whole bunch of agents here in the chat. I like it. We'll uh, save this. Uh, clip this. Clip this and send it to the bosses. Okay. I want to get this in. Also, so new mic. No, it's the same mic. I just have a new cord. The cord was what was giving me problems before. This is a good mic, folks. This mm. is a good mic. Uh, so now I've got uh, this mixer thing going here. So, yeah, we're going to get to UFC talk later. Let's go trade season. Let's get to that right here now. Go. I, I got to get the stuff ready for it. All right. Fire it up here. Trade season. Let's go. Do you catch my burp there on the on screen? Hopefully not. That was a... Uh... Cut out for a second. It wasn't me. It was uh, somebody else, probably. Uh, all right, let's get to the trade season talk. We uh, the, the Kings, Flyers, and Blue Jackets made a massive trade the other day, and uh, we got it up here. Thank you, Aaron, uh, to Philadelphia. Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, Helga Grunz, a first round pick from the LA Kings, uh, and then a second round pick in next year's draft or the year after. And then the LA Kings picking up, and or the Flyers getting a second round pick as well. 
Uh, this is so complicated. Uh, quads, you read your way through this. I can't do this here. My video is down, too. I got to reset here. Give it a nice little reset on your video. Uh, okay, so basically, Columbus gave up nothing, it seems, and they got Ivan Provorov, who is a pretty good defenseman. Like, all things considered, he is a top four defenseman. And look, a lot of people made the comparison of what the Canucks gave up for Philip Ronick. Ivan Provorov kind of kickstarts the next phase of the Columbus rebuild. They've been doing a pretty aggressive rebuild since 2020. 2021, I'd say, is a little more appropriate of a timeline to give. They've been doing that rebuild since then, and now they're stepping into that next phase. They're stepping into the phase where the Canucks think they're at as well. Ivan Provorov to Columbus. I'm curious what else the Columbus Blue Jackets do this offseason, Chris, because, look, they, they go out and get Johnny Gaudreau in free agency, right? but they really didn't do enough to make their team competitive. So now what's the next step? You have Johnny Gaudreau. He's not getting any younger. Like that's the thing. When you sign these big free agents, you are buying those first years when you're paying for a past performance and hoping that they can repeat that past performance when they're on your team. So when you sign a contract like that, you don't want to finish in the bottom of the league. They're going to be very happy to add Leo Carlson. Don't get me wrong, but you don't want to finish at the bottom of the league when you have a guy like Johnny Gaudreau at you know on a seven-year deal, you want him to be a part of a winning team in those first years. Because look, by year six or seven, Johnny Gaudreau is probably not going to be a great contributor to this team. So I, I like the move for Columbus. I think it's it was time for them to make that move and start to make that shift into, okay, you know what? That was another bottom five finish. We need to start moving forward here. So I, I like the move for Columbus. Uh, obviously, LA f- freeing up cap space, which they used today to sign Vladislav Gavrikov, a player they got from Columbus uh, at the trade deadline. They used that cap space that they freed up to get him uh, to get him under contract for the next two years. Dan Milstein client. A lot of people thought he was coming to Vancouver. It's not happening. Yeah, and I tell you what, I think uh, I like the Flyers here too as well. I, I really think um, all the teams kind of did pretty well i'd have to say in the trade it's kind of strange you get a three-way trade but it works out for everyone um jeez i I tell you the the flyers from what it sounds like it seems like everybody's on the on the block you know anybody's available uh if you come calling to the philadelphia flyers that's kind of where we're at right now but we saw this trade and i think the first thing i always think is how does this affect the vancouver canucks and the obvious answer would be hey trade season is just around the corner we have the the draft upcoming, obviously. The Stanley Cup playoffs kind of need to wrap up before things really crank out. But you have to imagine that the NHL, the league that is, they would like a little bit of action leading up to the draft. And I wonder if there's some things on pause right now. Because seeing this three-way trade get pulled off was was a big deal. And think about it. It really took over kind of the, the, the sports landscape, at least online for sure. Uh, and that was kind of just got me excited thinking like, hey, this is, this is what it's going to be like in about... 10 days like I think this is going to be hopefully we have some trades almost every day right moving up towards the draft there anyways and I wonder what the Canucks are going to be able to get in play with and I think to me and there's a reason why he's number six on uh, Frank Saravelli's top trade targets list right now to me it's still the JT Miller conversation the Canucks need to make cap space they they also want to be competitive so I don't I don't really know I don't know if this I don't think we're at the same level of talking JT Miller trade talk like we have been in past years I just don't think we're there I don't think it's going to be there as much I expect JT Miller to be in a Canucks jersey on opening night and I I just don't think there's going to be a trade that makes enough sense that a team's looking at right now with JT Miller and we've heard the talk and Frank's made a good case about it listen he, he has like 
there's no team out. There's no player in free agency that's kind of like JT Miller offensively anyways, right? You're not finding that type of caliber of player who's going to make an effect to your NHL team. We'll have to see what happens if a team's really interested in JT Miller and they're willing to give up. Because that's the thing with me, right? It's like you can go get a free agent. You don't have to worry so much about the total cap being spent over the seven years of the extension. You also don't have to give up any draft picks or capital or, or you know prospects or whatever it is that you have in the trade with JT Miller for JT Miller. So the only way it makes sense to me would be if you're trading JT Miller to a team while also taking money back and getting an absolute haul, right? Because that makes the difference. Listen, if, if you're a team that wants to be competitive and wants to add a player and has a little bit of cap space to do so, you can just do it in free agency. But if you also want to dump one or two years of a bad contract and also acquire the best player who's better than anybody in free agency, that's the only road I can see JT Miller trade actually getting done. So if a team has a contract in the four to six million range for one to two years, that's the only way I can see a JT Miller trade actually happening. And it would have to be a huge haul because you're not only trading for the player who has value, but you're also giving up bad money in return in the trade. So if there is a deal for JT Miller, it's going to be massive in my world because I think that it's going to have to come with some bad money going the other way. You're absolutely right. And we're going to talk about that because it's almost the break glass in case of emergency option. Like, like it's your panic button if you're the Canucks. Because we saw this trade, Chris, and I, I heard from multiple people within the league that the reason this trade happened wasn't because GMs just started picking up their phones. It was because a lot of the deals that had been worked out, like a lot of teams have been having discussions right now and they've hinged on, okay, if the cap goes up, this is what we'll do. If the cap doesn't go up again, this is what we'll do. Now we have a little bit more clarity, as we said on the last episode when I busted out the Gary Bettman impression, that the cap isn't going to be moving up. So teams now understand that they are playing within that scope so for a team like the Canucks and I want to talk about this after uh, for a team like the Canucks you now see what the cost of freeing up cap space is because the Kings probably don't make this trade if the cap goes up three or four million Hmm. they freed up 5.25 million or something around in that range if the news that Gary Bettman delivered that earlier this week was you know what the cap is going to go up because the escrow debt is about to be paid off in about October, maybe even sooner than that. If that was the news that came from the commissioner, this trade does not happen, at least in the capacity of the Kings giving up what they did in order to just get cap space, not really taking back any any you know real players or assets here, just freeing up cap space. We are now seeing the cost of doing business in this environment. And we knew we, we already knew what it was going to be like last year. But this year, this is now what it's going to cost the Canucks to free up a cap hit. Now, there's no there's no denying that a guy like Connor Garland with a similar cap hit to Cal Peterson, hell, even less than Cal Peterson, albeit with more years committed, there's no denying that he's a better player than Cal Peterson and any team acquiring Connor Garland isn't doing it basically just because he's a cap dump, mm-hmm. right? Like, that, that's not what's happening. Um So there is some difference, but we do now have the idea of, okay, this is what it's going to cost any team, not just the Canucks, to move away a bad contract or to free up cap space. Not even a bad contract. That's the thing I talked about on the last show is Connor Garland's a fair contract. It's not a bad contract. It's a bad contract in a 
flat cap environment on a team with 19 wingers, right? Like then it's maybe a bad contract. That's what it comes down to. So now these are, these are, this is the reality that teams and us as commentators are now working within, right? Like this is, this is the real world. Now, this is what the NHL's environment is like. Now teams have to go out and figure it out. So now we know what it's going to cost a team to free up some cap space. Yeah. And I think, that's where we always talk about, like, hey, teams are going to have to get creative. And that's exactly what we saw in the three-team deal, right? Like, that's what we saw from teams. They had to get creative with that point. So uh, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Well, I just – I thought – I wanted to ask you, like, is there any other names that even really make sense that could get traded over this? Because I think we're going to see a little bit of a frenzy here before the draft. I don't think it's going to be, you know, you can't put your phone down for 30 minutes type of frenzy. But I think it's going to be, like, every – Every 36 hours, I think there's going to be something in the NHL world where you're like, well, wow, like I didn't expect that. Like, hey, I didn't expect this three-way trade to go down. I, I think once the cup finals finish, I feel like every 36 hours, there's going to be a little news nugget where you're like, gosh, geez, I didn't see that coming. That's that's kind of just how the vibe that I'm getting. And, and you're right, the the to have the market be set a little bit more for what, you know, cap dollars are kind of worth right now in the open market to have that kind of start before the the finals are even over I think that's a good thing to kind of give every team like a level playing ground and at least you know bargain a little bit from there on what they think value is for cap right now this is an excerpt from what Matt Larkin over at Daily Faceoff friend of the show wrote about this trade Rob Blake has done just that factoring in the 30% retention on Provorov the Kings freed up $5.625 million on Tuesday and now have more than $13 million to play with. That's enough to work something out with Gavrikov and chase a high-impact goaltender acquisition, be it Connor Hellebuck, California boy, Thatcher Demko, or a mid-tier starting option. I'm not trying to stir things up, but folks, the Kings have problems in goal. Like, that's what's holding back this Kings team. And I know they got Jonas Corpusalo. This Kings team needs a top goaltender. Now, I would I would shy away from the sideways move with a goaltender where you go out and chase someone like Connor Hellebuck or even Thatcher Demko. When you make a trade for a goaltender like that, I think teams don't quite put enough weight into... I I want to word this correctly. I I don't think teams, and I'm not saying teams are dumb. I'm just saying I don't think teams put enough weight and thought into the environment that this goaltender that they are acquiring currently plays in and how it differs from them. I'm not sure if going out and acquiring Connor Hellebuck is going to solve all the Kings' problems. One example I'd like to point to, Chris, is Jacob Markstrom getting paid by the Calgary Flames in free agency. If you recall... He adjusted quickly, but for that first year, for much of that first year that Markstrom was in Calgary, he had to adjust to playing in a good defensive environment. He wasn't used to it. He wasn't used to facing shots the way he was in Calgary. He was much more used to a lot more high danger chances, a lot more east-west movement being allowed, and a lot more, like I just said, in tight chances being allowed by the poorest Vancouver defense. That's what he was used to. And then Calgary saw him and said, well, he's doing a great job there. Let's bring him in. Wasn't spectacular in his first year. And hell, even this past year, there was problems, right? It is hard to judge a goaltender in the environment that they're currently in and just think that, okay, if we bring him, he'll be just as good as a forward would be. If we just bring in a good forward, he'll be fine in our system. 
I don't think teams put enough thought into that. So I, I would say I just want to get that out there when it comes to uh, all this Connor Hellebuck trade talk. Because look, every goalie has weaknesses. What did we see with Andre Vasilevsky this year? Right, like he's it, he's not bad at shots from the point when there's traffic in front, but he's a top goaltender in basically every other other category of shot. And he's about mid-tier there. So he's still average. Like, he's still average, but that's the way to beat Andre Vasilevsky. So if a team that gives up a lot of those shots goes out and gets Andre Vasilevsky, they're going to have to be prepared to change the way they play in order to have success on this asset that they have now poured a lot of resources into. They have to be ready to change the way they play. And I think teams need to understand that going into this offseason, especially a team like the Kings, who for the most part do play a pretty solid defensive game. If they go out and get Thatcher Demko, guess what? Thatcher Demko isn't really used to that. And I'm not saying that he couldn't get used to it. I have all the respect in the world for Thatcher Demko. But if you go out and make a trade, it's not that simple. It's not as simple when it's a goaltender where you just go out and say, okay, well, you did really well in Vancouver. Okay, you did really well in Winnipeg. You're going to do just as well in L.A. It doesn't work like that. It no. doesn't work like that. So I just want to get that out there. Yeah, and I think some people can make an argument of like from when you go from a good team to a bad team, the goalie's not going to save everything. But you just made the argument for the opposite, right? Like the Canucks were a bad team. with And when Jacob Markstrom goes to a better team, still wasn't able to find it. So that's why I'm kind of curious as well with a name like John Gibson, who, you know, he mm. sounds like he wants to move on from Anaheim, and I don't blame him the way that he's been. Mm, I don't want to – not say treated, because I'm sure he's been treated fine and probably treated like a king the way he's bailed that team out. But I think just the the amount of work that he's had to do <laughs> over this contract is ridiculous. And I tell you what, I, I have a feeling he'd do better almost anywhere else. But I can't for sure say that, right? Like, I can't for sure say that because I don't, I don't believe in goaltending anyways. So uh, kind of ridiculous at that point. But we'll have to see what happens. Uh, why don't we get to our poll question here? You can uh, you can fire this up on, uh, on the old uh, Twitter machine there. Sure. You what you were trying to say was uh, how John Gibson's treated when he's on the ice by his yeah, teammates. Yeah, no, I'm saying That's like it's, it's just the workload he's had has been. Like, tell you what, he's not getting paid enough. That's for <laughs> damn sure. I, I'm sure he's treated fine from everybody in the organization, but. You know, that's aside from when the puck drops. because He does not get treated well uh, when the puck's dropped in Anaheim. He's getting absolutely shellacked every night. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Speaking of getting treated fine, Father's Day is coming up. And you know what a good present is, folks? Some beautiful pop rinds from our friends over at Atlas Goods. Our poll question is brought to you by those fine folks over at Atlas Goods, the creators of pop rinds, the best fresh pork rind straight from your microwave or air fryer, different flavors. I prefer the bacon, high in protein, beautiful zero-carb snack. Good present for dad. I'm hey, telling we, you. And if you're thinking him, about uh, it. We made him live on the show or in the early days of doing the live show. We, we made it live. It's that easy. We made it while doing a podcast. That's right. And you know how hard we work on this podcast, yep. folks. Well, I know uh, how hard I work. On the fe- exactly. If you're on the fence about getting it, let me push you over the fence. Is that a term? Uh, use promo code CC15 at atlasgds.com. That will get you 15% off your first order of pop rinds as i said folks the best fresh pork rind straight from microwave or air fryer and look we hear people all the time say oh i don't like pork rinds yeah neither did i folks no, that's neither dirty did bags. i they got them in the dirty yellow bags that's not those aren't pork rinds you got to get the mm-hmm. atlas gds stuff that stuff it bangs it's good stuff go check it out and then you go down goods. go down to trader joe's down in the states they got 150 different spices in there i like the you cheese get- look at this i got this uh when john garrett joins the show in this off season at some point Give him a little bit of this. Trader oh. Joe's uh, ketchup-flavored sprinkle. We'll get Cheech on at some point. If We're going to have to send that to Bag Milk, because I've been trying to explain the spice and cheese run that we all do uh, here in Vancouver when we run down to the States, which I'm doing on Monday, well, hey, Mariner's game. They got uh, cheese spice. There you go. You get two and one there. That's right. Okay. Uh, our poll question today, as I said, brought to you by Atlas Goods. What is your confidence level in the Canucks making the playoffs Next season, not confident at all, 50-50. They will make the playoffs, and as always, I'm angry. Uh, technical producer Aaron Bordado, we're, we're working on figuring out how he can vote yeah. on these uh, on these poll questions, but we don't have that technology right now with our oh. new setup here. So I'll, I'll just read the answers, Chris. Uh, not confident at all, 50-50. They will make the playoffs. I'm angry. Personally, I went with 50-50. As did the majority, 48% of voters saying 50-50, 35% of voters saying they are not confident at all, 13% say it's a guarantee, they will make the playoffs, and 4% saying they are just downright angry. Got a couple replies here. Someone said zero confidence, another person said mark me down as both not confident at all, and also angry. Where are you landing with this one, Chris? It doesn't matter where I land with this because here's the thing. A lot of the fan base is looking at the Canucks and look at I'm trying to do the math in my head. Over 80% of people are either 50-50 or not confident at all. Yet, this Canucks team kind of needs to make the playoffs next year. They kind of have to. The way that they've really invested and given up first-round picks and, and like (laughs) – you don't give up a first-round pick one year and miss the playoffs the next. That's just not the way that you can operate in the NHL and be successful 
because those type of things bite you in the ass down the road when you have to pay guys more money on their next contracts and all these things. They add up and add up and add up. And, and people will say, oh, no, like just let them have it now. But let's let's be honest. Like the Canucks and the cap spot that they're in, a lot of it comes from poor decisions at the 2016 free agency. Like they had to trade away Louis Erickson. They had to take all this money back in the OEL deal. Now what's hurting the Canucks? The OEL deal, all this stuff. It's all connected to a certain way. So like, I just think that the Canucks are in a tough spot where the fan base, as we can see from the, the answers in this poll question, you know, almost 90% are not confident or 50-50 or just angry. So the Canucks need to kind of prove something here. There's not a lot of confidence in them to make the playoffs next year. And a lot of it, to me, they have to. Like, to me, they really have to from the way that they've made moves over the past little bit here. It's, it, every time we bring it up, you think about that trade, right? Where it was, well, we have to make the playoffs, so we need to go get OEL and we need to go get Garland. The cap flexibility that the Canucks could have had, not only that year, but now for the next seven years, like you you look at it, it, it makes you hysterical. Like it, it makes you laugh at the idea that we need to make the playoffs, so we need to make this move. Uh, we're one way away from one year away from cap flexibility, but we need to make this move because we need to make the playoffs. And then they fail miserably at that year after year. And I'm hoping not after year, I add three years to that because, hey, we're two years into OEL and Garland and we're talking about, oh, well, with a flat cap, they probably are going to have to find a way to move Garland and OEL is just unmovable. He's an anchor. They're going to have to keep him. Uh, Probably not going to be able to buy him out because it costs a lot of money to pay someone not to play for your team if they make that much money. So they're just stuck. They're, They're in this position where it's just horrible and they they did it to themselves. They absolutely did it to themselves. Here's I want to say this real quick because I know a lot of people bring up Connor Garland. Connor Garland's going to be worth his contract over the next three years. He'll be more than worth his contract over the next three years. He may not be worth his contract this next coming season if he has a down year in a flat cap year. Like Those are the circumstances that he's put under. But once the cap goes up in 2024, 25, and then 25, 26, and you're talking about a guy making sub $5 million being able to contribute what he does at 5-on-5, five I don't want – Garland isn't the guy to move on from, man. I, I just don't think so. At 27 years old still, like it's not like he's even close to – he hasn't turned 30. I mean, the Canucks already made their big investment in JT Miller, a guy who literally turned 30 before this contract kicked in for his seven-year deal. That's where you. That's why you just have to it, – it, they have to go all in, and that's the spot that they put themselves in. And then as somebody who covers this team and has to every single day – I have to almost like root for them too cuz I think like what other what other option do they have? They don't have another option to take a step back anymore. They've already dipped their toes in the water. They're already wet. They can't dry this out. They they have to go all in now and I think that's going to be the interesting thing is they don't really have a lot of options to go all in. They don't really have the the capability with their cap situation or their draft picks to make big trades or their prospect pool to kind of move in and you know cash in prospects to buy and wins now like it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough, and I think you can see the 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 reaction in this poll question really says it. The fan base isn't confident they can do it. I'm sure the management group feels good about everything that they've done. They they're probably pretty proud of their work, similar to that that surgeon that uh, that did Jack Eichel's thing. I'm sure they're proud of their work, but you can tell the fan base sure isn't on board. You can tell from the poll results there, and I, I'm worrisome too. I'm very worrisome about it because if it feels like the way that the Canucks are going to make the playoffs next year, here's how I would here's the only way I'd be confident in the Canucks making the playoffs next year. 
if you could tell me that everything is going to break their way next season. If everything breaks their way next season, I'm confident they're a, they're a playoff team. Do I think everything's going to break their way next season? I don't know. We've, we've seen it go that way. We've also seen it go the complete opposite way. So that's why I think the lack of confidence is from the fan base. It's it's I think it's similar to the way that I'm feeling about it right now. It's If they get everything to bounce their way, yeah, but that's a hard ask. It is, and like you just said it, like I, I'm I'm looking at the results and everything, and I think what what's going through everybody's mind, Chris, is just that I, I voted fifty fifty for the reason I think everybody who else the majority did, and that's just because everything needs to break right. Like you just said it, everything needs to break right, not just one thing, and. Look, not to not to drive the conversation to baseball, but I'm looking at the San Diego Padres right now, who are just, you know, they have all this money poured into the team, fan of the team, and they're just they're horrible. They they can't win a game. They're having all sorts of trouble. It's not just one thing for them. Like they, they need a lot of different things to start going right, just for them to make the playoffs. And they're a team that you know had a bunch of bunch of commitments in the dollar, um, high dollar values. So, I. Look, I just I look at it and I see the Canucks as a team that look everything needs to break right. Look, the the Pacific isn't getting any easier. I think that's the other lesson from everything we've talked about today. The Pacific Division is not getting easier. Did you um, hear about? We're San a little Diego, behind. By the way? I know. Did you, I, say, say it again. Did you hear about San Diego? By the way, they had uh, the sun didn't show up for eighteen days in San Diego. No, I didn't hear. This. What are you talking about? Yeah, the last it's twenty days now. The sun has not uh, broken through the clouds in in San Diego. I thought San Diego was supposed to be this beautiful place. I was watching their game last night. They were playing the Mariners, right? Was I watching that right? Who were they playing last night? Yeah. You were watching. No, I they was, played the Mariners, yeah. yeah I saw they I was were watching in, that last in night. San Diego. And yeah, the play-by-play guys said it's been 19 days since they've had uh, sun come through the clouds in San Diego. Really? Wow. I was watching the Mariners broadcast for the most part, but okay, I don't, uh, yeah. They're calling okay, it, they're calling it uh, June gloom in, uh, in hmm. San Diego. All right. I, I keep trying to get this impress me thing in, but skip it. Uh, Eric, let's go on to odds and ends. Uh, odds and know, ends. Okay, odds and ends brought to you by uh, here. Let's hear quads butcher some names for the next forty-five seconds. I've been practicing. Okay, okay. Fired up. We're gonna clip this. We're gonna clip this and post Hold it. Hold on, I got on some music socials. for you, even too. I think uh, here we go. Do you have music? UFC music. You better keep it down because it always, uh, you know, throws me off. So, <laughs> okay, UFC. UFC 289 is returning to Canada for the first time in almost four years. Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. That is going to be the main event, and we're very excited for it. Uh, Women's Bantamweight Championship match at Rogers Arena on Saturday, June 10th. Prelims start very early. Prelims are available just on TV if you want to watch them. But if you want to get the pay-per-view of UFC 289, we would strongly encourage it. And... Head on down to Rogers Arena. We will be in the building, Chris, uh, at Rogers Arena to watch six Canadians who have been added to the card. Mike Malott of Burlington, Ontario. Jasmine Jasud. I knew that would bite me up. Yep, uh, Jasmine Jasmine Jay of St. Catharines, Ontario, who is Mike Malott's teammate, we should add. Marc-Andre Burial of Gatineau, Quebec. Eamon uh, Zahabi of Laval, Quebec. Kyle Nelson of Huntsville, Ontario. Diana Belbita, born in Romania but fights out of Stony Creek, Ontario. 
You're not going to want to miss this, folks. It's a good card. It's a good card. We're very excited about it. We're going to be in the building. A uh, lot of content. We're going to have a lot of content going out um, from from UFC 289 at Rogers Arena. Going to be a good one. Let gonna me try the name a here. Good one. Because it reminds me of, uh, if you remember, one of my favorites from the Oxford Canucks uh, inaugural season, uh, Jared Lucas Savages. This is Jasmine Lucas Savages. You just went with that, eh? Yeah. She's I don't she's, think that's how you she's it. not uh she's not expected to beat uh, Miranda Maverick out of the USA, which is a hell of a fighting name, I'll tell you that. But she's uh, that is, I, yeah. the odds don't look uh in her favor here. So uh, Okay. Yeah. This is the first pay per view in Vancouver since UFC one seventy four on June fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. So you won't want to miss oh. it, folks. Chris, what were you doing in twenty fourteen? I was just starting grade eight. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, I think I might have just been starting. Uh, I, I was still playing football at the time. I was playing for the VI Raiders in 2014. So that's what I was doing. So life was better for us back then, folks. So you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss it. UFC 289, uh, June 10th, Saturday on pay-per-view. Be sure to go check it out. Okay, odds and ends. Yeah. I got one off the top. Yeah, that's uh, my baseball. Baseball show, yep. Yeah, my baseball podcast, The Batter's Box. The trailer's coming out today. Uh, me and Mike Lou are going to be hosting it together. Going to be a lot of fun. We did a practice episode, like an episode zero, if you will. And it was it was really good. I was really happy with it. So first episode's going to actually be coming out on Friday. Uh, it is called The Batter's Box. Hmm. I think if you look at it in a pod catcher or whatever, like Spotify, Apple, it'll be up soon. Um the name might actually be the batter's box with David Quadrelli because there's so many batter's box. So we just had to add a name. Uh, so you might want to check that out. If you're a baseball fan, please check it out. going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Golf. What do you think of the golf thing? I feel bad for all the, like someone check on Rory McIlroy, right? Like, oh, did you see his, uh, his, his interview there? No, oh, I didn't. I haven't watched Go watch it. that. It's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, I mean he doesn't uh he doesn't like let his emotions get the best of him, but he's clearly clearly speaking of uh you know, speaking with the mo- not the most uh excitement in his voice. I'll say that so I don't get in trouble for saying something here. Aaron got in our ear said uh apparently he said I still hate live. Yeah, he did during the uh the interview there. And that it's just tough. I don't I don't know. I I don't know what to say. I I, I I know that something that I've heard some of the golfers mention was like they're happy that money is being invested into golf, lots of money being invested into golf. They're just curious if they can trust now, specifically like the commissioner of the PGA, can they trust him with this money now? Because they literally couldn't, don't really have much trust in him over the past year now with this situation with Liv. I think that would, that's the, that's the thing that makes it interesting for me. I don't, I just, I'm not too deep into the topic. I'm kind of just learning as we go over the next couple of days here. And, uh, I'm just curious to see what happens to the PGA if there's any changes because Liv was very different. I never watched it live, but I saw some highlights on the Sportsnet shows and stuff. And, man, it looked a lot more like a Formula One race. But they were playing golf instead of going around in a circle. So I don't know how they're they're going to change the, the Liv situation with uh, the folks at the PGA. But, I mean, they've got a lot more money. They they had a price, and uh, the Saudis, they, they paid for it. They wanted uh, – they were going to they, – they, they took what they wanted there. They uh, They got the PGA. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Um, I think that's all we have. Do we get all our business in? Yes. Yep. Alice Good's poll question, UFC 289. Did a great job. Not much I like going on mic. today. Eh? Not much. Uh, no, there's not stuff. much. What What happened in the Canucks for the last 48 hours? Nothing. The Young Stars got announced. No. Tough. C-Loves. Don't 
Don't forget Seelofs. Yeah, Seelofs, good stuff there. We'll see what happens. I think we'll be we'll be back probably Monday, Tuesday next week. Uh, we're going to be at the UFC event. If you're going, uh, shoot us a message. Uh, well, don't shoot Quad's message. He doesn't answer anybody. Shoot me a message on Twitter or, or message the uh, Canucks Convo account or something, and maybe we'll uh, we'll see if there's some way to get together. I'll be at Carve. UFC if event. you're looking for me on the concourse, check Carve. That's yeah. where I'll be. Yeah, sucking on the pickle down there. I know you like the, the give you that big pickle on the side. Quarter pickle. Chips. Chips. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Chips. Did you know that tortilla chips are literally at the fancy Mexican restaurants? You know tortilla chips are literally just a tortilla cut up in the, and they cut it up and they fry it? Did you not know that? I didn't know that till about uh, six months yeah, ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's the chips. They're tortilla chips. It makes sense. I just never thought of it. And why don't they ever make huge tortillas? You know the big tortillas that they have at uh, that uh, Subway has them? Huge tortillas. I'm talking like 12 inch plus, 16 plus, like around there. Cut those up into little slight, little slivers, and then you got long chips. You never see long tortilla chips. It's always just the little uh, little circle ones. Riveting conversation. Food for thought. Well, yeah, it's, nice, it, it's hard to have a riveting conversation with yourself. God. All right, well, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Uh, like, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I'd rather you say something that I know you just want to eat your sandwich. I know that's all you want to do. So, yeah, let's get out of here. Get your panini press out. Now, have you, uh, you know, we're a little over time here, but Bert's still sleeping. I'll get the Bert cam going. But I, I think I, I think I've told you this before, but there was a stretch where I was eating a lot of ham and cheese sandwiches. Yep. And I was putting dill pickle potato chips into my sandwich, and it was delicious. It was yeah. very, very good. No, I, I'm fine with that. I got dill pickle mustard. That's my go-to here. It's, uh, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't move much, does he, Bert? Um, you guys went for a run this morning. He's all tired out. I'll tell you, he There's was moving today. We Everybody went for a chat. run, came home, elevator was out, had to climb up all the stairs. He was he was zooming at first because of a retractable leash, so he was gone. And I he was, like, waiting for me at the top of the flight of stairs, and right. I came up, and then it was another one, and then it was another one. And after about four, he was like, how many more of these do we have to do? And he kept going, and, you know, he was a little slower. There was a couple times where I had to go past him and show him that we were still moving up there, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was a. He's had quite a workout today, to say the least. Good for him. Yeah, he's gonna sleep good tonight. That's good. Are you sleeping good right now? All right, let's go. I know you got the panini press. I got stuff to do. I got to go get my uh, teeth done. That's right. Okay, we'll close it out there. Wish for me my luck. co-host Chris Faber. Yeah, of course. Good luck to you, my friend, uh, and our technical producer Aaron Bordado. My name is Dave Bordado. Listen to the Batters Box Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. We out. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 